Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today, we have Amy on from Comp. And we're going to be learning about the business case or the use case for why customers and prospects pick comp. And comp is spelled C-O-M-P-T. And I can't wait to learn about it with, uh, with Amy. Amy, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and comp? Sure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. My name is Amy Sperling. I'm the CEO and founder here at Compt. Prior to starting Compt, I've spent my whole career in the tech industry. I've been a CFO three times. I've been a COO twice. So helping build companies with and for other founders, uh, usually coming in with first big VC check and then kind of figuring out how to build, grow, scale, all those things. But in all those roles, I was managing finance and HR which led to the genesis of me wanting to start Compt because I was seeing where the industry was moving from a um, candidate perspective as people look at their compensation, you know, salaries are something that are a lot less negotiated now because you can Google what you should be making and you walk in the door with expectations as a candidate. And if somebody's not going to pay within those, that band, you're going to go somewhere else. So salary health insurance have become table stakes. So companies started, uh, really differentiating themselves from each other using employee perks. And then everybody made a big fat mess of employee perks because <laughs> there's a perk. Everything's a perk. Everything's a perk. Everything's and, perk. and it's just, it's a nightmare for HR and employees are never happy. And so it was just a disaster all the way around, but necessary. So it was this weird mix of employees want personalization. They expect to have things that matter to them. But uh, if the more things you bring in, the less they're paying attention and the less they like it. So how do we solve for this? How do we get really good engagement from the team, but also do this in a tax compliant way, in a way that isn't making HR cry themselves to sleep. So that's what we set out to build was a platform that could work both on the compliance side, but also getting really good engagement from employees as well. So that's what we do here at Compt. I love it. And I love that you've, you've, you've been an operator and seen how the sausage is made, especially on the, you know, the VC side of things. And you've seen the other parts of the business that are really, really interesting. You know, operations Mm -hmm. is really interesting in and of itself. Finance is really interesting in and of itself. And then uh, obviously you're you're digging in and doubling down on, on compensation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love your background and I love that you're fixing uh, comp. It is, it's really interesting because I've done some work in compensation in the past at, at conferences and have worked with comp professionals and they have some of the most sophisticated you're 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 a finance person so they might not be as sophisticated to you but for for the average people mm-hmm. uh the compensation s- spreadsheets are so sophisticated mm. it's crazy like yeah. like they can do crazy things with excel that i, I didn't even know was available to me um and so replacing that uh, with sophisticated software, right? Um, I think is is just it's good for them. And uh, tell us about like the pathway right now and, and who you're working with uh, in terms of 
um, that are you working directly with comp professionals and kind of getting them to switch over from either another type of software or <laughs> the largest HR software company in the world, Microsoft Office? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like, who are you working with? Who's your, so who's your targeted buyer? Yeah. So the buyer is usually somebody either in total rewards or head of HR or mm-hmm. comp and benefits. It depends on the size of the company and what they're calling the role. Uh, the where we play in the compensation space is around that employee perks management piece. Mm-hmm. So trying to get more inclusivity, reach more people uh, with, with an employee perk strategy, the way that you know usually works or typically works in a company that is usually employee perks, which is most companies at this point in time, because it's, it is that key differentiator for folks uh, as they're competing for talent, especially now is that you know you go and you bring in a student loan forgiveness provider and maybe a child care provider and maybe a food and maybe you know a bunch of different things but each one of those individual perks that you're offering if you're lucky 5% of the team uses it so very very low utilization when you move to a platform like ours you're building out employee perk stipends where you tell employees you know and you can do different different groups if you want you know this location versus that location if you want to do you know, geography, you know, geographically based compensation or things like that. But you're saying employee X, you have a hundred dollars this month to spend on wellness and family and student loans. Now for somebody who doesn't have student loans, but wants running shoes, they could spend it in health and wellness and go buy running shoes. Oh, that's but cool. the next month they're not going to need running shoes. So maybe after that, maybe they want to do it, use it for a nanny for the night, or maybe they do want to put it towards their student loans, but it allows employees to kind of choose their own adventure without being tied to specific vendors. So there's no vendors on our platform. That's one of those key differences between us and the others in the market. Right. It's really agnostic. So that if your employee is living in a small town in rural Alabama, they have the same access to their compensation that somebody sitting in downtown, you know, Chicago or New York has. And so making it to where it reaches more people in more places. Dumb question alert. Um, do you see it uh, eventually possibly uh, on the roadmap of, of people being able to switch a perk for time off? It's interesting. People are exploring that. That is definitely okay. a question we get asked. I okay. think the entire, or like, I think there's. I don't a know how the. I don't know how the like finance that. would work. I don't know yeah, how. Yeah, I'm not sure work. how the finance would work. I okay. think that's part of why I haven't seen it put in practice yet. But it's definitely a conversation that's happening right now where people want to do that. Now, if you're getting a hundred dollars a month, a day off is not worth a hundred dollars. Like, unless right. you're making an absolutely like don't get me started on the companies who are paying their people a hundred dollars a day. That is not acceptable. <laughs> um, right. So it's not, it, it could be, you could buy up time is something I could see at some point where it's like, all right, you know, if you're making $50 an hour, do you accrue two hours of time off for companies that do accruals? Maybe. Um, but so, but I'm not sure that employees would take advantage of that too, because the dollar amount is usually a lot lower in employee perks. So think, Twelve to fifteen hundred dollars a year for a lot of companies. Got so it. it's Got not it. it's not going to be as much. I was I was going to ask you about market where where positionally uh, is comp. Where do you or is it SMB? Is it mid market? Is it high growth? Global? Like where where are we positioned? Yes, 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 and yes. So it's <laughs> yes, um, William. Yes, we do well, all of those. Things. Well said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What we find is that because we uh, have a really solid inbound strategy, 
we get a lot of interest from all over the place. So we are not targeting the world. That would not be a, you know, a, a viable strategy, right. but who walks in the door and is looking to make a change crosses industries. We see a lot happening in manufacturing and construction right now, for instance. Uh, you know, you see a lot of industries that don't historically do employee perks, really struggling to retain people. So they're having to think about it in a new way. We've got, you know, about 20, 30% of our uh, customer base has an in international component where they're trying to build a cohesive perk strategy across their entire company. But a portion of their country company is sitting in other countries with other currencies and obviously other types of benefits that they would like. So we have a lot of folks that come to us for that international component as well. Uh, and then, you know, the size factor, as you start thinking about who finds it most painful to deal with the tax accounting on all of this, the bigger the company, the more painful the tax accounting. So we right. see it, you know, that if you're coming in because of the tax piece, it's going to skew to the higher side, um, the, the larger employee base versus a company with 10 people. Maybe you're not as worried about the tax piece. So, so uh, a couple of things with the pandemic uh, as it relates to perks uh, and people being remote or hybrid or return to office or whatever the whatever the new uh, model is, <laughs> yeah. what do, what have you what have you seen kind of how how the perk space has changed and or or how y'all approach the the perk space a little bit differently because of what we've learned you know this far thus far yeah. in the pandemic. We see, we see a few things. Uh, one, we see companies using employee perk stipends to influence behavior. So some companies will have multiple stipends, maybe a hybrid, maybe a remote, maybe an in-office stipend. So three different stipends. Now, which stipend gets the most money depends on the behavior they're trying to drive. If they want everybody back in the office, they're going to put more money on that in-office stipend. So trying to incentivize people, you know, think about it from the lunchflation conversation that's happening right now, where if you're buying lunch in downtown in a city, it's a lot more expensive than at your house. Uh, or if you're, if they're trying to downsize the actual physical office footprint, they may put more on remote to try and encourage people to continue working from home and supporting, you know, cell phone and internet in your house. So it depends on the behavior that companies are trying to drive. We see a lot of that happening in stipends. Uh, the other thing is the shift away, like the shift to stipends period and away from vendors absolutely took off through the pandemic because so many, I mean, imagine if you had a gem reimbursement for two years, you couldn't use it. The gyms weren't open. That's not well, that's, helpful. Well, that's what gym owners want. <laughs> well, there's that, but that's a different part of that business model, but you're right. That is accurate. Um, but with that, that's where companies were like, look, we're not like, it doesn't make sense to offer perks that literally nobody can use. Like, so we need to think about this difference. So the companies that were started using stipends before the pandemic, uh, we looked at our data off those folks to say, all right, how did they do through the pandemic? And what we found is that the people who started with us, you know, at least by January of 2020, grew almost 147% from a people perspective in the last two years. So not only retaining their people, but being able to add a lot of headcount. So we certainly don't take credit for that entire phenomenon, but their behavior is very different from what's happening on the open market. And so that is something that we're seeing be, you know, a key factor for them to be able to hire is that differentiation, that personalization for every employee is a big key factor. I love that. First of all, and I love the ability uh, for someone to just wake up the next week and go, you know, I want something different. 
right. which I think is is great. And I want to, you know, again, if it's a Starbucks gift card, that's cool. And if you right. just, you know, you spend a lot of money at Starbucks, like that's actually a really cool perk. Uh, it's just less money out of your wallet, and and right. uh, and and that's fantastic. But not everybody does that, and so I love. Right. Uh, not only the the personalized approach, but also per- hyper personalized to that individual right. in time. Right. Well, it also doesn't change your spending behavior. Right. If you have a Starbucks gift card, you have to remember to take it out of your wallet. That's right. And what happens when you've got two dollars and thirty cents left? There's nothing there you can buy with two dollars and thirty cents. So you're probably going to waste it. So you're throwing away money on top of the fact the company had to activate that gift card, which also cost them money. So there's all this waste that happens with gift cards. Where when you move to something like a stipend, the employee goes and spends the money wherever they want. That's fantastic. In the same way they would typically. And so then it's just uploading a receipt after the fact of like, hey, yeah, I went and got Starbucks last week. Awesome here you go. And maybe you bought a bigger order. Maybe you got a smaller order. Who cares? But it doesn't change their actual physical behavior, which makes it so much easier for employees. I love that. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, let's sh- shift to um, the software itself. And uh, sure. I'll start with some kind of basic uh, things, buying questions that you love. And that your team loves, like you just kind of, you know, that they get it. They're thinking about perks differently. You're not going to be pushing the boulder uphill the entire time. Um, What, what are, what are some of those questions? I love when folks come in and say, look, I do not want to tell my team what wellness means. I like every, my people are adults. They are on their own journey, their own path. So I'm looking for a solution that allows them to decide what wellness means. That gets me excited. If a company wants to micromanage and say, hey, we only offer this mental health app, or we only want to think about wellness from a gem reimbursement perspective, we're probably not a good fit because you know it's just it's not one size fits all. And when you start treating your people like adults, which they all are you find some really magical things happen. So that, that kind of perspective and philosophy at a company, when they come in and say, look, my people are adults. I want them to be happy. I want to put, I want to create a sandbox for them, but how do I do that? How do I do that in a way that allows them that freedom, but allows us to align it with our cultural values. That gets me really excited and lets me know that philosophically we're going to be a fantastic fit for them. Do they, do they have a, you know, because of your background in finance, I think I'm going to ask you this question. Do they have an idea of what they should be spending per employee or do you all have like a calculator that can kind of help give them some guidance uh, either by industry or, or otherwise? Because I think that's, that's always been, at least historically, that's been kind of a, like how much, well, how much is too much or, uh, or what's, what's the, you know, diminished return uh, and how do I budget for this? Uh, So, They have all of those questions. Nobody knows the answer. We do bring data to that conversation because that is, I mean, that's one of the questions they want. They don't want to be left behind or be behind what other competitors are doing, but they also, nobody wants to overpay. Like nobody has an unlimited slush fund of cash. So they want to make sure that they're doing the right things by their people, but they're also not, you know, burning too much cash at the same time. What's interesting is that, and the data that we share with them is that it really is much more around the flexibility for the employees rather than the dollar amount. So on average, Mm -hmm. companies are offering their team about $1,200 a year. So $100 a month on average. 
But we have a lot of companies doing $100 a quarter getting the same exact utilization. They can still get 90 plus percent utilization where 90% of their team is using their perks on a much smaller amount. It's about the flexibility. So think about it this way. You give your team, you know, $20,000 a year that can only be spent on cell phone. You're not going to be able to spend it. It's useless. Like that is a useless perk. You're going to use it for your cell phone, but that, you know, is what a hundred bucks a month. So you're going to have underutilized perks. Whereas if you say, Hey, you've got a hundred bucks this quarter that can be used on travel or pets or family or wellness, you're going to be able to find something because it's part of your life. And so you can get much better utilization that way for companies so we work with them that way to be like, what, what outcomes are you trying to drive? Do you really want really high utilization? If you have a bigger budget, let's talk about how you split this into multiple stipends. Maybe you want to have a professional development stipend. You're not going to want to combine that with food. Those are not two equal things to anyone. You know, you don't, if you're trying to drive professional development, you don't want them to use DoorDash. So why don't we put that on its own to where you're driving a certain behavior? So it's much more about behaviors and outcomes. And we bring all of that data to the conversation with these HR leaders, because that's going to be what moves the needle for them on retaining and attracting. So it's not as much about, they don't have to spend a lot to be able to do that. So I forgot to ask you, I was remiss in asking you kind of the business model, because Years ago, when some of the players kind of came to market, it, there wasn't really kind of an agreed upon kind of model. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people gave their platform away and they made a piece of the transactional things that yep. went through the platform. And, and some, some folks don't do that. It's more SaaS uh, and, and kind of an unlimited thing. So uh, without getting into dollars and sure. cents, of course, what's, what's the, the business model? Sure. So for us, it is a SaaS model. I looked at a bunch of different approaches and ended up ruling them out either because as the buyer, so sitting in the HR finance seat, I was like, ugh, the worst. I hated that. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Exactly. So I don't love per employee per month because as a finance person, you can never budget for that. It's so irritating. Like, okay, we just added another person. I got to remember that that's going up. So we do it tiered based on the number of employees when you start with us, but we don't charge you any more. You could double in size during the course of your contract. We're not coming looking for more money. On renewal, we'll see how many you have and we'll figure out your next contract, but it's just kind of like a fixed fee for that term based on, you know, who you have at the beginning, which is very different from most books in the market. You're right. There are a lot, like if the the companies that are doing employee perks, but with like a credit card concept, they're definitely doing the transaction fee thing. The ones that are doing marketplaces are taking a cut off of the market as well as charging a fee. So we do operate a little differently, um, but trying to make it really transparent and clear for the organization. I love it. Thank you so much for clarifying. So uh, last two questions. The one's going to be around your favorite part of the demo and the other is Mm -hmm. going to be kind of your favorite, most recent customer success story without naming names, of course. Sure. Uh, So favorite part of the demo is when we get to this, there's one screen in the platform where you're building your stipend and you get to pick from all the categories. That's definitely my favorite part of the demo because it's basically a shopping trip where you get to decide all the things that you're going to let your team do. So I love that screen because you can see HR leaders' eyes light up. So like, it's literally as simple as checking or unchecking a perk to give this to the team. You're not piloting new vendors. You're not finding them. You're not doing contracts. You're not tracking it. You're doing none of that, but you get to do really cool stuff for the team. And that is, is really exciting to see. Um, 
favorite customer success stories. So our recent one. Um, so we recently launched a platform, our part of the, a feature in the platform where companies can allow for peer-to-peer bonusing. So oh, they'll give cool. employees, like it's usually a pretty small budget. Think of 50, hundred bucks a year to an employee to be able to uh, basically spot bonus their peers. But in doing so, they have to select the employee and write in usually which cultural value the person's living up to or the cool thing that the person accomplished. And it's much more about the recognition, obviously, than the dollar amount. Um, but the cool piece on the customer success side is that we, I've spent a lot of time talking to HR leaders about this. And the concern is always, okay, but what if people are buddies? You bonus me, I bonus you. And we just have a, you know, we all go out for drinks. Yeah, it's, That's it's, the behavior they want to avoid, obviously, because right. they're trying to drive that really cool behavior. And what's so awesome is a bunch of our HR leaders figured out, they're like, okay, we want to do the peer-to-peer piece because we want people engaging. But the only category they're letting people spend on when they receive when they receive that bonus is charitable giving. And that is really special to me because Mm. you're not only getting people to recognize each other and giving that happy joy moment to the employee and they're getting the public recognition, but then as an employee, you get to take those funds and support a cause that is meaningful to you. And that I think is a really special way that HR has approached this to think about, you know, blocking the bad behavior, but also really encouraging some really cool behavior to happen. I love it. I love what you've built. It's, it's, uh, it's remarkable. And I think it's just going to be, it's a huge winner. So Amy, thank you for coming on the use case podcast. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for hosting. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone for listening to the use case podcast until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.